And if you've come this morning and you're burdened, you're shackled in something, please receive that song as God's extension of an invitation to you again this morning to release it here in this place, to receive and experience God's sweet forgiveness. Now, Lord Jesus Christ, we open up your word, that place, that place where you have explained to us in writing who you are, how we can know you, and how we can experience that sweet forgiveness. We open our minds and our hearts to receive from you what you've prepared for us today and what you know we need. And we're asking you with some degree of courage to touch us right at the point where you know we need your touch. Expecting that when you do, it's going to make changes in us so that when we leave here in a little while, we will be different than the people who walked in this room. And it's so, it's in your name, Lord Jesus, expecting that that's going to be true. I'm now praying. Amen and amen. Wow, that's a powerful song. Would you agree? Children, we've got some wonderful adults who've been preparing for you, and so I'm happy to dismiss you, little ones through grade four. And uh, Bo and Hunter, you can lead the rush. (laughs) He looked at me because I said his name. What did I do wrong? As they're going, you may have noticed in the worship folder that there was an announcement that coming up in just a short while will be the Daddy-Daughter annual event that we do. And dads and granddads, may I tell you that that is one of the most special, privileged evenings you can think of, to have an evening with your young daughter or daughters with other dads and granddads and their daughters and just love on them and there'll be a lot of special things including a photograph that they'll make of you and your granddaughter and I can assure you they will treasure that as a memorable moment with daddy ladies in the room am I right about that you remember times when you had a special moment with your daddy or your granddaddy huh so don't miss that chance it's called cherished this year oh my I'm ready how about you Hebrews chapter 12 in God's Word. Would you open with me there? Because it's powerful. If you didn't happen to bring a copy of God's Word with you today, we've got one under the chair just in front of you or near you. Hebrews chapter 12. Now, these dear folks sitting in the front row need some Bibles, so if you've got a couple under there you could share, or Brother Merrill, get two or three for them. Would you mind, brother? And you'll see it on the screen. This is our theme verse for this year. You're going to love sitting in the front row, dear friends. Welcome. <laughs> We're glad you're here. We really are. God bless you. Every year we choose a verse out of the Bible that we think is going to be really powerful to us, and here it is for this year. You know we've got some cards out there at the Welcome Center that have this on it. If you don't have one yet, would you say it with me, please? Just the first half of it. Here we go. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let's throw off everything that hinders 
and the sin that so easily entangles and let's run with perseverance the race marked out for us we'll stop right there because that verse is really unpacked or explained well in the first chapter of James which is just one or two more pages to the right in your Bible if you would turn there please James chapter 1 the second verse there of our theme verse is really unpacked in the second chapter there's some notes in your worshipful folder as always and I'd urge you to take them and take your pencil if you brought it because I have a feeling God might speak to you in these next few minutes with something you're going to want to remember that's going to make life easier going forward I'm not a NASCAR fan I must admit but yesterday Dawn and I happened to catch a little bit of what I think was the Daytona 300 I learned today that there's a 300 and there's a 500 today's the 500 the reason that I'm mentioning that is as I watched those 45 cars going around and around I thought that's a picture of life a whole bunch of us going around and around and around bumping into one another occasionally and sometimes it just gets nasty and the cars just explode all over the place and somehow those drivers walk out of there get in another car for the next day to do it again that's why our theme verse this year is so important running your race with a whole bunch of other people all around you sometimes bumping into you sometimes making life painful but running it with perseverance right not letting anything hinder you so James says here's how to do that look at verse 2 of chapter 1 of James consider it pure joy my brothers when you face trials or difficulties of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance hmm now that doesn't sound logical but it's true when you and I face tough times in life that's when the tough get going and God says the stronger your faith in him the stronger it will be in times of perseverance I put a couple of phrases for you there you'll see them on the screen faith in God tested develops perseverance would you agree with that when your faith in God is tested in the real stuff of life and you keep persevering your perseverance strengthens you and strengthens your faith a second phrase faith in God proved when in the tough stuff of life you're able to prove the truth of who God is and how powerful he is in your life and the strength of your faith in him faith in God proved develops character that's where your character really gets developed that's what James is saying here look at that next verse verse 4 perseverance has a purpose and the purpose is that it develops it finishes its work in you so that you can become mature and complete not lacking anything this thing called grandfatherhood is really enjoyable isn't it would you agree grandparents in the room I now got four of them and occasionally I need a granddaddy fix and yesterday was one of those I hadn't seen my grandbabies in a week or so so I went over there and of course uh, the symphony of noise when you got four little ones six and under they're climbing all over me and over their parents it was wonderful and I got to hold the Fred the brand new one fresh out of the oven a couple of weeks ago and, and it's amazing how Claire is growing she can't help it uh, her mother my daughter evidently is producing really good nourishment and she's doing what she's supposed to do she's eating and she's breathing and she's growing she's maturing 
That's the way God made it. But have you noticed that when you get to a certain age, the physical growth and maturing kind of slows down, and that's when God says, now it's time to kick it into high gear for what's really important, the internal growth, the maturing of who you are as a person. And James is saying that happens against the headwinds of life. When life is getting difficult, but you persevere in the power of your relationship with God, that's when the inside starts growing and maturing. Do you agree with that? And so would you consider this? Spiritual maturity develops as knowledge grows to wisdom. Knowledge is truth understood. Wisdom is knowledge anointed or empowered by the Spirit of God through spiritual experience. You see, it's when the truth of who God is, the truth of what God has said, the truth of your relationship with Him survives against those headwinds, that's when maturity comes and you become wiser and wiser. And James says you become complete. That means we welcome the tough times because that's when the real strength of your relationship with Jesus Christ is proven. If you go across the column to page 22, pardon me, uh, verse 22 in James chapter 1, look at what it says there. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Verse 22 of chapter 1. You see, there's a problem when you just listen to truth and don't do anything with it. You see what it says next? Do what it says. Don't you love it when the Bible just gets real simple and plain? Just do it. I think somebody made a bunch of money with that little phrase. Just do it, right? But isn't it true that teachers in every school in America are saying, Oh, students, I know you're bored to death, but I wish you'd get this. Grade four, six, eight, every grade. Because if you don't, if you sit here in class and just close your ears and you don't get it, you're going to lose out big time when you're out there looking for jobs, right? Yep. And parents, every parent and grandparent says, ooh, it hurts me so much when I say to you, my child or my grandchild, don't go down that path. I've been there. It's dark and it's painful. Turn back from there. Yeah, yeah, my, I heard it before. Ooh, doesn't that hurt? And may I suggest to you it hurts the heart of God when we say, yeah, God, I've heard it before this spiritual truth that could really help me. And that's a dangerous place, my dear friends. It's a dangerous place. And that's why, look at this, truth heard but not owned can become a layer of insulation that prevents truth from rooting and permeating your life. Now, that's a powerful statement. You see, one of the things that I do every week, starting Sunday afternoon, I pray, God, now, now, you know who's going to be in the room next Sunday at 9 o'clock service and 10.30. I have no idea. And God, I don't have any idea where they've been in their life journey or what they're experiencing. So God, what is the truth that you would like to say through me in that service? And occasionally, I jot down for you what are, for me, shocking statements that come into my mind as I study the Word and I pray that, and there's one of them. When that came into my mind here a couple of weeks ago, I had to step back from my computer and just look at it and go, oh, wow. You know what it's talking about? 
It's talking about one of the most dangerous experiences in the human journey. When you encounter a spiritual truth that God would like to permeate into your mind and your heart, and you just pass it off, man, no big deal. Water off a duck's back. You know why that's so dangerous? Because you rejected it, because you set it aside, because you ignored it, it can become like a layer of shellac or veneer over your mind and your heart. So the next time you hear it, you may not even hear it. It's a lot easier to pass it off the second time, and there goes another layer, and the third time, there it goes. You know anybody like that? Who grew up hearing truth. But for whatever reason, they've, they've turned away from that truth, and now they're in a really dark place. Look at it again. Truth heard but not owned can become a layer of insulation. It can insulate you. I, I call that spiritual insulation, truth insulation. Do you find yourself there sometimes? Or, or can I give you another word? I'm not sure I even know how to spell it. Truth anesthesia <laughs> or spiritual anesthesia. I had the experience a few weeks ago when I was in Haiti with a medical team, as you know, and I was standing in the OR translating for Dr. Peterson. And they gave several ladies epidurals because they were going to do hysterectomies and, in a couple of cases, e emergency C-sections. And, fellas, I saw a most amazing thing. Uh, pretty soon, she just kind of goes numb, dead, from about here down. They have to help her legs up on the table. They get all arranged, and they take the scalpel and open up her abdomen, and she's wide awake, smiling and looking around and talking to me in the Creole language. Doesn't feel a thing. Anesthesia is a wonderful thing, but it can be a very dangerous thing if you let truth anesthesia deaden your mind and your heart to the truth of what God wants to say to you. Would you agree? And that's why what James is saying here is so critically important to you and to me, my friends. Now look, verse 26. Dear Bonnie, hang on just a moment. Verse 26. If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Oh my. Would you consider this truth? An uncontrolled tongue denies any claim of spirituality and undermines hope of a God-honoring reputation. Wow, do you see that there in your notes, my friends? Does anything reveal the true condition of your heart more than what comes out of your mouth? You know anybody who claims to be a religious person, but when they're not in church or not around other religious people, oh my, step back, the air turns blue pretty easy. Know anybody like that? So how much do you respect them? Look at the next verse, 27. Religion that God our Father accepts as faultless and pure is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress. Yeah. And to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Maybe it's because there's a lot of basketball going on this time of the year, but I see in that little verse offense and defense. Do you see it? The first part of the verse talks about offense. When you see people in need, particularly widows and orphans, get in the game, step forward and help them in the name of Jesus, right? That's what Jesus would do. And that validates, it proves what's going on in your heart, in your relationship with Jesus. Offense, how's that looking for you? Who did you see this week that needed a helping hand and you stepped in in the name of Jesus and helped them? 
But the second part of that verse, do you see the defense there? Look, and to keep yourself from being polluted by the world. Ooh, that's, that's defense. That's building a filter around you because you and I are inundated every day by so much information and so much of it is wrong. It's manipulative. It's deceitful, right? Right? So can you protect your mind and your heart from the pollution of the world that's trying to creep in and get at you? So what do you think about this? Truth insulation, spiritual anesthesia positions you in vulnerability to being polluted by the world. Do you see what that means? If you find yourself disregarding truth, God's truth, those layers now harden over your mind and your heart to God's truth so that when the pollution, the distortions, the wrong stuff is coming at you, you don't have a filter to filter it. You become vulnerable to the effect in your mind and in your heart. Would you agree with that? That's a powerful statement. May I ask a hard question? Are you vulnerable this morning? Are you vulnerable this morning because you've been disregarding truth and you're not, your mind now is not as sharp as it should be and could be to protect against the pollution of the world and your heart is not in a place where you're going to be able to recognize the danger of something coming at you. Watch that so carefully, my dear friends. Spirituality I wrote for you in your notes there is validated in reflection of the character of God. Care for the ones that God cares about is a reflection of a heart that's been influenced by God. So if that first chapter is kind of an unpacking of Hebrews 12.1, the second chapter is a bit of an unpacking of Hebrews 12.2. Remember where it says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. So look at the first verse of Hebrews chapter, pardon me, James chapter 2. My brothers, as believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, don't show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in shabby clothes also comes in. James just gets really practical, doesn't he? If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and you say, hey, here's a good seat for you, but you say to the poor man, you stand over there in the corner or, or sit here on the floor, have you not discriminated amongst yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? My brothers, as believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ. What James is talking about there, my dear friends, is as you come to understand the magnificence of who Jesus is and all that he has accomplished and made available to you and me, the more you're overwhelmed by that and the more that you own that, the more it will change you. In fact, you could translate that, my brothers as believers, in the Lord Jesus Christ's glory. And so you're going to see a few words on the screen there that help you consider how this Jesus is unique from all other beings in the world. Would you agree with those words? He is creator. He is originator of all things. Colossians 1 tells us that he sustains all things. He's deliverer, a rescuer. He's eternal. He's holy. He's king. He is omnipotent. I was going to ask you, what would be a couple of other words you would add to the list? He's glorious. Now, this is from a dear woman who is blind. 
but she loves Jesus. She loves Jesus. If we set our mind on Jesus, he's the author and the finisher of our faith. Don't fix our eyes on worldly things. Amen. Amen. I think I can sit down. (laughs) Amen, dear Bonnie. Next time I'm out of town, dear Bonnie, you... What are some other words that you'd add to that, dear friends? That are, help me again. Faithful. Faithful. Thank you, brother. Wonderful. Wonderful. Creator. He's creator. Words that are unique to Jesus. What are they? Resurrected. He's resurrected. That's right. Thank you. I'm sorry. From the dead. He's loving. He's healer. Amen. Prince of peace. Amen. (laughs) Don't you love it? It's like popcorn, spiritual popcorn. Amen. Now, here's why that is important. Look at this next slide that you're going to see on the screen. The more accurate your view of Jesus, the more overwhelmed you will be by his majestic glory. Amen. Then nothing can distract the fully enamored. Isn't that true? Men, if you are enamored by the dear woman who wears a wedding ring that you placed on her fingers, nothing can distract the enamored. Am I right, men? I want you to know you did much better than the first service. (laughs) I had to ask the first service a second time. The ladies were ready to grab their husbands and choke them. Every once in a while, I set you up for one of those, my dear brothers, to affirm your dear wives that you're there. The truth is, you and I know what our hearts get enamored about, and if we're fully enamored, there's nothing that can break that. That's what holds a marriage together. So how's your heart with Jesus? Are there some cracks in your being enamored with him so that easily other things distract you? You see what James is talking about here. Be careful how easily distracted you are. Here, when he's talking about a rich man and a poor man, I've written in my notes, I've told it, uh, being undistracted by the glitter. We live in a part of of the United States where there's some glitter, isn't there? Big, fancy lake homes and, and wonderful, beautiful automobiles and all kinds of other things. And if you're not careful, you can get distracted by the glitter and you can find yourself welling up inside, I wish I had, I wish I could. Now, let me ask you a question. You ever thought about what it would be like to live like that? To to not worry about a budget. What if you got to know someone of those folks and and they blessed you with a million-dollar gift for Christmas? You you opened up that envelope under the tree, a million-dollar check. How would you compare that to having the truth that if you don't wake up tomorrow morning, you die in your sleep tonight, you're confident you're going to be in the presence of God. Which is more valuable, that million-dollar check under the tree or the confidence that you'll be with Jesus? Or the confidence that Jesus will walk the journey of life with you every single day? You see, we can get distracted, can't we, by the glitter. You see, in my notes there, I... uh, quoted for you. Bonnie must have been listening to my time in the Word. Do not love the world, for the world and its desires will pass away, but the man who does the will of God will live forever. 
those with the clearest view of Jesus experience his greatest touch. I wrote for you there in your notes. Think about that. Those with the clearest view of Jesus experience his greatest touch. And I don't mean the ability to see him with human eyes. You remember the story of a blind man that sat alongside the road every day with his little tin cup. And one day a crowd's going by and he says, Hey, what's all the noise about? Somebody says, uh, Jesus of Nazareth is coming by. Jesus! And he cries out, Jesus, have mercy on me. Be quiet, the people say. You're just a blind man. Jesus! And suddenly the crowd stops moving and Jesus said, I heard that. Bring him. Blind Bartimaeus, his name was, sitting on the side of the road, and somebody said, I, I can't believe it. Bartimaeus, but he says he wants to see you. Get up. Come on. Lead me to him. Can you see the crowd opening up? And Bartimaeus comes there and stands in front of the one he's heard about, but he's never seen. But in his mind's eye, he's got a perfectly clear picture of Jesus. And Jesus says, Bartimaeus, what can I do for you? Lord, I just want to see. And I don't know if Jesus held his head in his hands or not, but he said, Bartimaeus, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. And that blind man saw in a moment. Wow. And how about the little short man who was a liar and a cheat? Zacchaeus was his name, remember? And Jesus was coming to his town. And in order to see Jesus, he did a foolish thing. He went ahead and climbed up in a tree so he could see. And as the crowd came by, Jesus stopped right under the tree and then looked up. Hey, Mr. Zacchaeus, we're having lunch today at your house. You're buying. <laughs> and Zacchaeus welcomed him in his house. And we don't know exactly what Jesus said there, but the truth penetrated his life. And he stood up in front of the people and he said, I'm a cheater. And I admit it. And I'll repay any man I've cheated four times. Truth penetrated his heart. Or how about the woman who'd been bleeding for 12 years, had seen every doctor there was to see, and she had this picture in her mind of a clear view of Jesus, if I can just get to Jesus. She heard he was coming to town, but as always, a great big crowd around him, and she worked her way through the crowd just to reach in and just touch him. And when she did, suddenly Jesus stopped. Who touched me? Peter, Peter said, Lord, what do you mean who touched you? There's a crowd of 100 people around you. We're jostling. What do you mean? We all touched you. No, no. No, no. Somebody touched me in great faith. Who touched me? That woman, too ashamed to raise up her head, said, Lord, Lord, I did. I've been every place I know to get help, and nobody can help me. Daughter, your faith has healed you. Those with the clearest view of Jesus experience his greatest touch. So how's your view of Jesus this morning? Huh? I want to help you with that. We're going to combine on the screen some of the most magnificent views of outer space taken by the Hubble Telescope with a very powerful song. And it's going to be four or four and a half minutes for you to have an encounter with the living God right now, right where you sit.
and begin to refine your view of Jesus. If you can do all of that, if you can create galaxies and hold them together, then isn't it reasonable for us to conclude that whatever it is that's going on in each of our lives, in all of our lives, you are more than capable of both understanding and helping. Now, what did you come in here with today, my dear friend, that needs God's help? How big is your view of God? How clear is your understanding of Jesus? How strong is your faith relationship with him? Honestly, now, how much has the pollution of the world distorted how you think and how you feel? How many times have you found the things that so easily hinder you to trip you up as you've run your race of life? right now have a conversation with God right where you're sitting thank him for creating you he delighted to do it thank him that he understands absolutely everything about you thank him that the universe and the magnificence of it is the daily hour evidence that God is big enough for you and if the Holy Spirit is showing you that there's some things in your life that are causing the problem your own hardness of heart your own wrong choices your own disregard of truth whatever it is as the men lead us again in this sweet forgiveness song it's your opportunity right where you're sitting to engage with the living Jesus Christ who gave his life for you and rose from the dead so you can be forgiven and freed from anything that's holding you back. It's your opportunity to invite the Holy Spirit to do a fresh, powerful anointing work in your life. We worship you, Lord Jesus Christ.